Welcome to Kapwa Conversations, a podcast that amplifies the voices of Filipino, Philippinex folks in the health and wellness space. We use the indigenous wisdom of Kapwa, or shared inner self, to connect, inspire, and remember that we are all connected. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and be in Kapwa together. You can also help spread the word by sharing today's episode on social media and tagging us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. Without any further ado, here's today's conversation. On today's show, we have Jeffrey Villanueva. Jeffrey's yoga journey started in 2007 after graduating from Berkeley College of Music. At the time, he couldn't afford to attend daily yoga classes, but the practice was such an emotional healing bomb for him that he learned on his own from DVDs, YouTube, and attending one community class each week at his local yoga studio. He moved to New York in 2009 and began practicing at Jiva Mukti Yoga School. In 2011, he completed the 300-hour Jiva Mukti Yoga certification, respectfully thanking Sharon Gannon and David Life for making that possible, and continued to complete the 500-hour Jiva Mukti apprenticeship that same year. He began practicing Ashtanga Yoga on his own in 2012, and in 2014, he found his teacher, Guy Donahue, director of Ashtanga Yoga Shala, NYC. In 2015, he began apprenticing under Guy's tutelage, acquiring all the techniques, concepts, and philosophies that were imparted to him from his teacher. He continues to immerse himself daily in sadhana so that he can share his love and passion for yoga to inspire others as he has been. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you for uh, for having me, and uh, excited to be to be on. Yeah, I I've hyped you up a little bit in previous, <laughs> so I, I I'll save that for a little later. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about your relationship to this yoga journey and your relationship to Filipino Filipinx identity. Well, yeah, relationship to. Uh, to yoga and, and the practice of yoga and all its amazing wonder that it does for um, someone's potential. <clears throat> um, at the time, I was studying or actually graduating um, Berkeley College of Music. So since I was a, a young young boy, I uh, learned how to play drums. Uh, I was taught, I was taught, and my dream was to become this professional musician and travel all the world and play with all these uh, amazing musicians and become famous myself. And I got to do some of those things, wasn't necessarily famous, <laughs> and didn't get to play with some of the most famous people that I, I truly admired. But I did have the opportunity to meet so many different um, people, travel to so many different places, and really pursue um, my my artistic passion for 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 drumming and for music. In the time I was graduating, I 
was kind of uninspired with getting better at, at playing. Also, the the uh, the demands of being a, a professional gigging musician and the artist in general was weighing down on me because certain gigs or ideas that I had for myself was not happening at that present moment. At the same time, I just felt uninspired to to want to be better in, in what I was doing musically. I also graduated from Berkeley College of Music, but I felt that I wasn't really going anywhere. So yeah, I was a, in a bit of a, this kind of a transitional phase or a crossroads. And very randomly, my roommate at the time, who was actually like one of my uh, my best friends that I actually haven't spoken to in a long in a long time. So I don't know if that considers uh, he's considered still be my best friend, but he's the reason why I am where I am in my my current life. He uh, I came in one one day into the apartment and he was like Jeffrey, you should uh, practice yoga. And he doesn't practice yoga. He uh, is not very healthy himself. And till this day, I always wonder why why did he ask me to do that. Or ask you know, give me the interest to to study to study yoga. And we went across the street, grabbed some DVDs from Barnes and Noble. And I remember my first interaction with like, you know, I wouldn't say someone the, the basic, but like you know, a basic posture, downward dog. I like wanted to to vomit, and I wanted to throw up, and I felt nauseous. And then after a couple more times of practicing, for some reason, I just kept on going. And this particular moment, and this is like the, the, light, the lightning bulb, uh, was I was in a grocery store and I was waiting in line patiently. And some lady had kind of cut in front of me to, uh, you know, to pay for whatever she wanted to buy. And in a, the normal Jeffrey pre, uh, pre, pre yoga would have kind of maybe cursed her out or really would been have ag- like would have been agitated, would have come maybe possibly started a competition. And I remember I just kind of was like, oh, no big deal, no big deal, whatever. And that was the day where I knew, okay, this yoga, there's something to this yoga. And at the same time, physically, I felt better. But I think most importantly, it was my relationship or it brought awareness to the relationship with myself and how I see myself and also my relationship with the environment around me. So the most important thing was this kind of awakening. And I didn't think so much about, you know, this present state of what I'm not doing or what I didn't achieve. I didn't reflect so much about what I could have done better or the past. I also didn't project so much about the future and what has not even occurred. And that was, that was really something monumental for me because I always worried about the future and, and thought about, you know, I, at this age, I'll be here at this age, I'll be there. And, you know, life doesn't work like that. And it was, it was really actually a beautiful thing to, to be, to be, uh, to be awake and to understand that it's okay. And it is okay. And I think to know that and to accept that is one way to kind of actually move forward in your life, which is why I am so uh, passionate about first and foremost the practice of yoga and also sharing it uh, through through teaching. So that's kind of like a little 
little nutshell of uh, of my exposure to it and and why I invest my whole my whole life in, in this in this practice. And then my identity, interestingly, my identity was being uh, Filipino, uh, and actually being Filipino and, and yoga is interesting because uh, you being you're half Filipino, right, Paul? I'm uh, I'm old school mestizo, so my parents oh, are from the Philippines, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they yeah they have Spanish Spanish and Chinese, but yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so I was yeah I was born in the Philippines and uh, from Manila actually, um, and yeah, it's you know Filipinos we eat a lot of uh we eat a lot of meat. I don't think we're necessarily be the healthiest. <laughs> <laughs> But you know that's not to discredit Filipino food. It's it's really delicious. And if I did uh, eat meat again, I, I would definitely eat Filipino food. But along the lines of starting to practice yoga and uh, and cleaning up your your diet, and not even so much for the sake of trying and do it um, intentionally. It's just that you know when you practice when you do any kind of physical work, especially where it's mindful movement, and you're also creating synergy with the body and, and and your mind, you start to understand that what you put into your body, or, or rather your body is this like vehicle and, and how you're treating this vehicle is really gonna be, is gonna reflect on how you're gonna feel. So it was just very natural for me to over like maybe a year or two slowly adopt a vegetarian diet just by, you know, not wanting to, uh, you know, put things in my body that would make me feel, you know, a little bit slow and, uh, so it was a little bit interesting being coming from a Filipino background. And when I would go home and see my, my mom and she wanted to make me all this Filipino food that I didn't necessarily want to eat it. So, <laughs> so um, but in terms of just being coming from a Filipino background and um, in the Philippines, you know, if anyone has been to the Philippines, they're always smiling. You know, it's a third world country. I don't know if it still is, but maybe I think it still is. Um, and you know they're always happy people and i like to think that myself i'm very happy i'm very warm and we're also about family and you know that 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 part is still kind of, is still you know very strong you know being very family oriented taking care of um you know uh, of others and yeah yeah i mean the thing that i'm i'm still thinking about what you said in the first part with your yoga journey one it's very inspirational to hear that you you had trouble with a down dog because if anyone looks up Jeffrey's yoga practice now, it is inspirational to watch. But I would say, I think I'm really gravitating towards what you're saying about awakening, where this concept of a path being open to you. And I think it opens up to people in different ways in how they're awakened to it. But yeah, just that, that concept of seeing the present and yeah, stilling the, those fluctuations of the mind for a bit to have that moment of clarity. And then once you're there, then, you know, you have the choice, you have this, this power of choice to decide. Absolutely. It's uh, the, I think for whatever, I think it can be so many different practices that allow you to, to have this awakening. It just so happened that it was a yoga practice and it was the, and you know, yoga practice is so vast, you know, there's, there's a physical asana practice, but there's also, you know, just practicing like bhakti yoga, which is bhakti yoga is like the practice of devotion. Um, so there's so many different 
avenues to go by. Maybe it wouldn't even be yoga related. It could have been something else, but this was just happened to be the uh, the kind of tool that I used to 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 get me to this awakening process. And yeah, what you said there about that's the key word, choice. We all have uh, choices in life, and sometimes we make uh, bad choices. Sometimes we make <laughs> really good choices. But for the most part, if we're, you know, to be conscious of the choices you're making and to really be present in those, con- in, in, in those moments of, of choices, then you, you really are putting it out there in the universe, and that's what's important. You know, you give it your all. You give it your 100, but you're also fully, you know, intentional in that whatever it is that you're choosing to do, whether it be for yourself or for others. And there's really, when it's really at its highest intention, there's nothing to be, to worry about, or um, it's just, it's just out there. And I think that's the beautiful thing about being super conscious and, and being at a very heightened level of, of awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that this time I think it's it's a it's a gift to have that kind of practice cultivated because for a lot of us, you know, this is recorded around October. The this moment of stillness or quiet is being forced on us, and the power of choice is very it's echoing because we a lot of us are alone in our echo chambers and yeah if you if you don't have that that sense of awareness it's easy to go a little mad in these times yeah absolutely i think it's also very hard to be with yourself nowadays one of the greatest things about you know just because i know somewhat uh, a little bit about it of, of yoga practices it's, it's a very individualized practice it's self-practice actually and right. the only person or the only thing that you're really dealing with is yourself for the most part and it's really hard to deal with yourself actually <laughs> if I think about it a lot of, I don't you can correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like a lot of people don't want to deal with themselves so instead of dealing with themselves I find that they project whatever issues they have with themselves onto others you know, there's this very amazing quote from one of my teachers that, you know, she said, usually what is coming at you is coming from you. Mm. Usually what is coming at you is coming from you. And there's something really, there's a lot of magic in that. And I think the biggest or the most significant part of that thing is, is that, you know, if you take ownership of what is actually of your of what you're experiencing and also what you're putting out there then you have no one to blame and if anyone to blame yourself and to take ownership is, is really to take actually complete control of, of any situation you're in so so if someone or something is, is occurring to you and to understand that oh maybe this is happening because it's something that i'm projecting that's a clear ownership there. And then once you, once you know that, you can change that. You're like, well, I don't want this person being like this towards me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna direct a different kind of energy towards that that, that person. Whether 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 that is the case or not. But and it really what it attracts is it attracts this act of uh, of being kind. Being kind no matter what. 
always, uh, it also attracts, you know, seeing yourself in others. And what this kind of the state of our world right now, including myself, you know, it allows us to really be introspective. You know, we have to deal with our baggage because we can't really go out and escape or use other, other kind of vices to get us out of that. And I think that can be very, very powerful if it's dealt with. I also believe it can be very painful and I don't think it should be this way or that way. I think whatever way it is, whether, and I think it can be all, all of it. It can be joyful, it can be painful, lead to some suffering, can lead to a lot of awakening. I think if you look at it differently, it can lead to so many different beautiful possibilities. But it's how we react to it and then how we process it. And then after we process it, what are we gonna do about it? Do I wanna be the same person or do I wanna be the type of person that is gonna kind of elevate or, or change in a way that is, can, can truly benefit my well-being and also the well-being of others. Yeah. This is the awakening. This is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the quote I'm thinking of, I think it was Iyengar who said it, that pain is your guru. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, you, you've echoed that with what, what got you into yoga after graduating Berkeley. And I think I've had a similar touches of that from having dance injuries and yeah, just feeling the wear and tear of that kind of lifestyle for myself. And yeah. Actually, well, it's funny because I didn't know you were a dancer and then I, I happened to, uh, and uh -oh. when I found out, and when I, no, 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 when I found out, I was like, wow. And I was actually truly inspired. Um, I actually always wanted to be a dancer and I specifically like a hip hop dancer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love, but I, I think that's, that's uh, I think that's a given since I'm in this whole world of like body movement and body awareness, dancing is just another, another uh, kind of gateway to being aware of yourself and being aware of your movements um, and conscious of that. And I, you know, I remember taking a, a hip hop class. It was somewhere in Midtown. Wait, and what was the name of, do you remember the name? Was it know, I don't, my studio I, or no? I'm pretty sure it was something like that. I don't. Is it House of Movement? It could have been one of those. Okay. I know. I just know it was like a beginner's class, and, but it was cool. It was really dope. It was like so many different kinds of people in there, and that's the day I realized, wow, I don't know how to isolate certain parts of my body. <laughs> like during, I think in the beginning you do like some warm up, even in like yeah. yoga class. Isolation, just like neck and chest. And I was yeah. like, okay, uh, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm flexible because I practice yoga and blah 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 blah. And then we started doing some moves, and they were like one, two, three, and they were counting all these moves. And I was like, wow, I am completely out of rhythm. I can't isolate my hips. My hips don't move like it should. And um, Realize, yeah, there's not really a future for hip hop dancing. <laughs> at least, you know? at least, at least in the present moment. But I, I'm not. I haven't given up. I haven't given up. I just gotta find. I just gotta go to another class when that's available again. Yeah, I mean, you can develop a home practice. I can. No one's judging home. you at home. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. I can. I can. I can get pretty wild at home. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that was really really fascinating to to. To, uh, to learn about you was that you are you are in this kind of uh, field of, of 
body movement and exploring what the body can do and how even like any kind of movement of body is, it's actually like a movement of energy and how that energetically that can make you feel um, alive. And I mean, we're alive, but it makes you feel a different kind of alive. If, yeah, that, makes, it, if that makes sense. To- it totally makes sense. And yeah, thank you for that. I think it wasn't until these past couple of months and thinking about what my movement journey was my first movement style was um, Shotokan karate. And yeah, I think that taught me a lot of discipline in like how utilitarian that kind of style was as a self-defense style. And then, yeah, with dance, it's been definitely interesting because it's always been with me as I've changed. Like I started out learning cultural dances and then Latin ballroom in high school. And then after college, I did the whole dance crew competing thing, like America's Best Dance Crew or Think Step Up, those movies. And yeah, it was interesting to have that flow state. I I think you're probably familiar with that concept. Like for me, the way to access flow state was through dance when you, that moment that you're performing on stage and you kind of blink and then when you get your your breath, your awareness back, the performance is done. But during that time, you felt so alive, like time didn't exist. And yeah, I there yeah, have definitely been a lot of lessons where I thought I had to really push myself to the edge and not listening to my body in order to maintain that flow state longer. And yoga has really taught me to hone. It's it's what, like what you said with the self-study, it's taught me to hone in where I put my energy because we're not, we're not always going to be on a hundred. Um, do you think, do you think, cause I, I, I kind of believe this, if it's done, if, if you have like proper technique and technique doesn't have to be taken so literally, but I guess mainly like, I mean, like technique, literally, like, you know, obviously physical technique, but then also mental conditioning, I would say. But do you feel that you can actually have this flow state on 100 without it kind of deteriorating, you know, the, the physical being, right? The physical body. Because, you know, I, I deal with that, you know, every day through, through daily practice, right? Especially like, particularly Ashtanga, Ashtanga yoga, it's very like mm. um, demanding on the body. And if you were to practice in a way that is so kind of uh, militant and, and demanding so much over time, you know, your body's obviously going to wear and tear. And like you said, you know, you're in a slow state, but then you're asking your body so much where, where and, and maybe your body shouldn't go there because, you know, it's probably not there that day, <laughs> but then you're also in the slow state. So you're, do you feel, cause I feel, I feel that there is a way to, to cultivate this, this state of a flow state where you're, you're actually there, but it's almost like you're having a conversation mm-hmm. and it's not really, it's like, it's energy, you know? I mean, in the beginning, when we learn, especially you learn body movement, or learn yoga, you, you see how, yeah, it's very physical. But once you go beyond the physical and you start to tap into, well, I mean, they call this in martial arts, chi, right? 
in yoga they call it prana, right? Prana, your your vitality, your 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 um, it's like your your life source when you when you tap, and that's like something that one you can't see, right? That it's something that you kind of have to tap into, and when you can tap into it, I feel like we can be in this flow state where it's not affecting us, you know, on a very on a physical point, and at the same time we're like on 100, like everything is moving freely. Do you feel like you can achieve that? Or maybe you have achieved that to some degree? Yeah, I do feel like it is possible. I also feel like now through each of these phases or different lifetimes I've lived, I'm constantly relearning what that means, what it means to be in flow because everything is always flowing. It's like, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I think where I'm at now is knowing that it can be done, but the thing that helps keep me in it these days is really about breath, for sure. Um, The control of breath, the placement of breath, it's very similar with dance and yoga and martial arts. The breath is so important for sustaining the movement. And then I think this this other thing that gets cultivated in these practices that are more spiritual, philosophical about intention. And for me, it really helps to understand what my intention is going into the thing that I'll be exerting my energy to. So for dance, for me, it helps to think about what what am I doing with my body? What message, what vessel am I being? to this bigger message, because usually it'll be performance-based. Like what is the message that deep within me I'm trying to reach out and deep within you, I want you to feel that through my movement. And for me, that is a very sustaining energy that even if my physical body is feeling like it's at max capacity, full of lactic acid, there is this like spiritual well of water that is overflowing if I can cultivate that intention that the rest is sustained by this other thing. And it might sound ethereal. I don't know if you feel the same way, but yeah, having that the bhakti, the devotion of knowing what it is you're moving towards and hopefully it be towards a bigger message, whether it be as a teacher to your community or your art as activism or performance or something like that, there is something powerful when you know that it's serving something bigger than just your, you know, building muscle and looking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I'm totally in about the cosmos and <laughs> ethereal. <laughs> I mean, we, we try to know so much in this world and we try to want to understand so much and everything has to be explained but what's also so bad and things not being explained and and allowing ourselves to believe and I I feel that a lot of us I mean I don't know who might say this but you know no one believes so much we always have to have an answer for everything but what if what if we just believe and and allow that belief to manifest into something that can be you know, like, yeah, about like, you know, very like cosmic and, and, and how you can, when you make something not about you, for some reason, you can perform at such a high level, regardless of like, where you are in the physical space. And I think there is something that is magical about that. 
And aside from that being magical, that's what that's the whole point of living. <laughs> you know, that's so that's what that's why we we you know we 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 take this breath. We 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 use our bodies to 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 really be of service. So you know, talking about the the ethereal stuff, yeah, I'm all about it. I think uh, let's go to the cosmos because. This physical world not doing us that well, doing us some good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I feel you on that one. I mean, just thinking about, okay, we can go a little into the cosmos a bit. One of the things that I'm thinking about too during this time is the, this like calling back of ancestral remembrance and seeing how a lot of indigenous cultures already had this reverence to breath um to reverence to this energy this this kind of cosmic source and you know you've already mentioned prana and chi from those lineages and something that i have recently been diving into within our filipino identity is this the word ginhawa and ginhawa what is that what does that mean again yeah ginhawa is is medicine okay and ha the the root of it ha is breath and ha also exists in aloha breath of life mm. breath of fire and it's this commonality that this word ha is used in this area of the world and it means and it's used in places to to mean life to mean acknowledging to mean medicine and yeah it's just been like a, a beautiful reminder to see that our ancestors had this reverence and they knew that breath is medicine, is life. It's the breathing, me breathing and you breathing is the way that we acknowledge our, our two existences, even if we're virtual these days. And yeah, I just find a lot of, a lot of comfort in that kind of deep knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also allows us to see that, I guess, whether we are Filipino or whatever kind of background um, or wherever we come from, we all have to breathe because if we don't breathe, you know, we're dead. <laughs> so this breath is almost, um, it, it allows us to kind of, and, and I think when it's tuned in in a, in a way that is, um, that is mindful and, and also like efficient, we, you know, we can really, we can really manifest a lot of, um, you know, amazing things that, you know, we, we are actually capable of, you know. Yeah. I, I wonder for you too, because you have that music background with drumming, do you feel like that flow state is accessed to you through music? And then is that equally transferable to yoga i mean i know that you your background is more ashanga so you don't usually play music but for me which is why i found it surprising that you said you, you weren't good at hip-hop is that having this a musical background and then a body movement background i would assume that there's a lot of synergy with sound rhythm frequency all of that things that would yeah. translate I guess, like, I mean, especially being a drummer, you know, what's what's the drummer's job? The drummer's bo drummer's job is to like give the back, you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Make people dance. So yeah, I guess it is transmitted, but 
I guess it wasn't transmitted when it came to Canada. <laughs> so, so that's where it fell short. But um, I'm sure there's you know other drummers out there that that can uh, that can hack that. But yeah, it just didn't manifest to me. But there there is definitely like um, it's it's interesting. You you know music and and yoga. Um, you know when I trained with uh, with Jiva Muki Yoga School. You know, Jiva Mukti, or to be a Jiva Muktan, right? Jiva, um, Jiva is soul, right? Or the individual soul, right? The soul. And then Mukti is liberation. So G Jiva Mukti or Jiva Muktan is to be liberated while, 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 while living, essentially. These five penis are kind of like ways to maybe to, to get there. At least this is their philosophy, right? This is Sharon Gannon and David Life. And one of their tenets is, is Nadam, and Nadam is a sound, and sound can be can be like obviously like music, an actual like you know uh, song. It could be just vibration, even the vibration on the sound of Om, right? Which is a never ending, it never ends, you know, it's always there, um, it's everlasting. So this this idea of I think I've experienced it from a very young age before yoga, this nod and this sound because I was totally immersed in, you know, not just like music, but like the, the passion for it and, and how it can make you feel so many things, right? Music can make you feel sad, can make you feel happy, makes you want to move, you know? So I do feel that music can also shape the, um, you know, ones like yogic, practice. I don't think it's ever, it's like one size fits all. In the Ashtanga way of practicing, which, which I do, it's my personal practice currently now, you know, there is no music, but actually there is music. There is Nadam. And what, what is the music? What your, breath. The music? Like your, your breath. Like your Ujjayi. Right? Your, your breath. Your breath is like rhythmic. It, it, it is a rhythm. It's like you're not like it does fluctuate. And when I say fluctuate, not in like you know every inhale and exhale should be of equal duration. But then mm -hmm. when I say fluctuate, it kind of accommodates to the vinyasa, the movement. So maybe a certain movement within the vinyasa, you might need to expand the inhale or maybe shorten the inhale, or maybe whatever movement will need to expand the exhale, whatever, vice versa. But I feel like there is this, there still is this sound. It's, made, it's also maybe the sound of like listening to, to nothing. And that, that also, so in, in that essence, I think, um, well, you know, back to like actual music, in in practicing yoga, I think it can be very it can be very therapeutic. It can definitely lead you to another kind of flow state in in our practice, which is which I think is which I think is beautiful. I think there's also something very beautiful about also practicing with just listening to yourself. I think uh, music can be great. I also think it can be a crutch. Some people, I mean, well, this is in reference to, to practicing. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, not in general. <laughs> but, um, you know, some people need to, or some practitioners depend on music mm -hmm. to get them into that flow state. But I think when it becomes a dependency, then maybe that's, I, I wouldn't say that's bad. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it's negative. I think it's something that should be rather observed. You know, why are we dependent on this? Why are we, why, 
why do we need this, you know, this, whatever this is, a sound to get us into this other state. And I think when it becomes dependency, maybe that's something that should be kind of watched. And, but if it's actually for the sake of not just enjoyment, but it's kind of, um, maybe like, you know, whether it was there or not, you know, you would still be, you know, this, this vital, like, super human being, then I think it can be, it can be, you know, it can be something really beneficial. I also think, you know, there's something to like, you know, someone will always needs silence to practice. I think, I think that's a great thing, but if you can't tap into this flow state when there's constant chaos and noise going around you, I also think that's something that should be observed. If anything, do you, uh, do you know who Dharma Mitra is? Mm -hmm. yeah right he's he's quite he's quite a master and he says one of the best places to practice yoga is is new york city you know you would think he would say oh yeah go to like some cave or some mountain where there's like no one around and it's quiet and it would make sense why he would say that you know you have all these vices in new york city you have all these sounds you have all these distractions and this is really your opportunity to to be with these these uh, these distractions, these these, no, these noises. And how can we how can through all this how can we allow ourselves to not be reactive? And that's like the biggest thing that I learned in my practice as well. For instance, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired today, but I, I'm going to do my practice. How do I not react to me being tired? How can I just watch it? And then how, most importantly, how can I accommodate myself to how I'm feeling today, to what I'm about to do? And I think that can, that goes within everything in life. Again, I don't feel so strong today, but I can still move because I'm going to move in a way that's going to accommodate to how I'm feeling. And then there's, that's another, that goes back to just being fully aware. Or maybe I feel agitated today and I have to go, you know, go to my office job and deal with people I want to deal with, but how can I still be this, 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 this being that is not going to react to me being agitated? And then that's going to maybe, you know, affect those that I come to encounter. So I think it's just being, not being, I think to not be so reactive in certain situations and just to, just to be like the observer, right? To watch. Right. Or to really listen. Yeah, to listen. Yeah. And I think that's a way to, again, another way to like maintain uh, this, this uh, flow state, whether this flow state is for entertainment or whether it's just for, 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 you, for you just to be. I think, you know, I, I think that's very important. I think uh, this the state of super consciousness is, is a great way to just kind of really live life to a full. You know, I mean, can you imagine living, living every day and not being so reactive to what's coming at you or from you? No, I definitely feel what you're saying, especially with the idea of New York and this being the place if you want. Well, one, I didn't realize how lucky we are to be based in New York for yoga because the the scene here, the, the access to yoga is is very um is very big but there's that other piece too of where 
you find this awareness and that your life won't always be like a silent retreat or it won't always be like a monk in a monastery where you spend <laughs> most of your day in meditation and the real practice happens when you live your normal everyday life and if you're in a city like New York or wherever you are listening to this pre-pandemic everybody was used to the, the hustle and grind culture and going in between here and there and not thinking about, you know, maybe even their breath, just the act of breathing in the, in the midst of doing all of these things that we're trying to do in our lives. And yeah, what better place than, than to be in this kind of environment where you have to put it on the line in the fire. I mean, yeah, you get to really put it you get to put it to practice, actually. You really, I mean, if you're doing it right, you somehow apply whatever you're learning in, those, in that time with yourself. And for some reason, when you go out there into the world, it's actually like, it's like, it's like being in your little nest of your yoga mat. It's, uh, nothing really changes. And I think that that's very, I think that's when you reach that state, it can be very, it's very, it's like therapy. It's like, it's like a, a clear understanding of, uh, of, of how the world can shape you and how you can also shape the world and how you can also live in, and again, uh, low state with, with, with the world, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you saying, I think you told me earlier, I don't know if this was before we started recording, you were saying, or maybe, no, no, I think you said you live in Queens, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm based yeah. in Queens. And there's a big, I think there's a big Filipino community in Queens, right? Yeah, I'm... I'm the next town over. It's um, Woodside is the neighborhood. And I guess, do you know, is there, isn't there a, I don't know if the viewers would know this, but there's like a, isn't there a Jolly Bee there? Do you know what a Jolly Bee There is, is? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you eat Jolly Bee? You're a vegetarian. I, know, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I don't eat Jolly Bee, but I, I've had Jolly Bee. Uh, I guess for the viewers who don't know what Jolly Bee is, it's, uh, it's like the McDonald's. Yeah. Fast food of, uh, the Philippines. It's the but fast food different. pride of the Philippines. It's very different though, because they they have like uh they have rice, which is awesome. They fried chicken. And fried chicken and, and uh, Filipino spaghetti. <laughs> Filipino spaghetti, and if you know if you don't know about Filipino spaghetti, it's uh, it's the sauce is uh, sweet, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, there's sugar and there's hot dogs. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's just let's just say there's a little bit of everything, you know. And what about the hollow hollow, the the dessert, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, just having one meal there is like a week worth of calories. But yeah, <laughs> it is it is an experience. If you haven't tried it, it is yeah. The first time you have it, for me, it's it's like a food memory. It does remind me of what it was like. You know, spending a summer in the Philippines when I was younger. Oh my gosh! Yeah, me too. Me too. And uh, you know, if you guys ever need to know, this uh, look, just look for the bee. It's a bee. Their mascot is a bee. So, uh, right? Is that right? It's a bee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, jolly bee. I get it. I get it. I didn't. I never put those two together. But uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, I wonder. I guess a little bit with the while we're in the Filipino topic is. 
how has it been like for you talking to your family about what you do as a yoga teacher and do they understand the the calling that I feel like you know it's, it's pretty it's pretty clear as a as something that is driving you I wonder how that gets translated to Filipino parents yeah the I guess Asian parents in general but Filipino parents like my mother is a, a medical a med tech medical technologist but I, I think I'm quite an interesting situation because um so I guess like Filipino culture they and I I, I mean I don't know if I'm wrong about this but you know most you know they either want you to have like some kind of job that is like you know sustainable and you know like become a doctor but I think I'm an interesting situation because my parents were never they never forced anything upon me even when I was like oh hey I want to become a musician <laughs> they were like yeah okay well yeah you oh you want to go to school for music oh of course you want to travel all the way to Boston for music oh okay of course oh you want to not play music anymore and teach yoga oh okay my parents were never really they 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 always supported me so I guess I don't have a typical I don't know if it's, if it's right to say difficult, but I don't think I have typical Filipino parents. They really embrace everything um, that I continue to do. Been very super supportive. I also believe, I also believe that maybe you know transitioning also to yoga and my just my demeanor and how um, my attitude just kind of changed. Just like my overall. Mm. my overall vibe you know I was not that I was a an asshole before <laughs> but you know but like you know yeah I was like obviously much calmer I if I was if I was kind before I was even that much kinder and I think they just my my outlook on life was a lot different so I think with them seeing seeing this relationship with myself and how I was able to to really understand you know, these challenges that I experienced and moved through it, like, as if it weren't, there weren't ways, but I was just kind of, like, flowing with it. I think it was really, they were like, oh, okay, you know, this is what he was meant to do, at least right now in his life. So, yeah, I mean, my, my siblings, they, they all have, like, you know, jobs, jobs, which is nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Especially, I mean, you know, if you think about it now, I think, you know, we can't even be around people. I mean, my job is so dependent on, you know, being with with people, you know, being in contact and physical contact with others. So, you know, maybe, so yeah, that's, that's also kind of interesting because I'm on, you know, with this, uh, what we're going through right now, you know, we obviously can't be in like small spaces uh, and touch each other. So it's definitely been quite an interesting, interesting shift. But yeah. Yeah. They were they're always very, very supportive. Still still they still are. So yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. I mean mine also been pretty supportive. I think for me, where the identity and then the teachings of yoga where I, I see it brush up most with my parents is just like the looking back on the tools or maybe lack thereof of tools that I had to deal with my emotions 
that were taught to me. Like I'm thinking of specifically like the idea of like masculinity in the Philippines. That's very, it can be like very machismo or kind of like strong silent type. I had a very strong silent type type of dad. I still do. He's, he, he's not really the type to show physical affection or words of affection until pretty recently. And yeah, it's, it's been like an interesting type of journey where yoga and cultivating this practice that's not just the physical, that is the meditation and the breathing gives you these tools to deal with a lot of emotions that might come up. And for me, it was like a, a lot of anger because I was a, like an only child and I, yeah, didn't have like a lot of ways to communicate my feelings and it wasn't really encouraged. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like an interesting way, but now I, I have that awareness to see that there is a value to noticing those emotions with this kind of kindness, this compassion that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, has been pretty powerful. Even like, you know, talking more about Filipino culture, you know, the you know, Filipino culture were also very uh, religious. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, and um, which, 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 which I think is, you know, I think it's great. You know, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's bad nor good. I think whatever allows you to become better and a good human being, that's great. I actually found, and I used to think I was like very, like, you know, I think there's a, I think you can be really, really, really religious, but I also think because you're religious doesn't necessarily mean you're spiritual. Right. And then I think you can also be very spiritual and not religious. And I also think you can be both, you know, you can be. <laughs> and, uh, well, anyways, I thought, you know, because I was religious and went to church every Sunday and, you know, I thought I was like, you know, spiritual. And when I actually was like, when I started practicing yoga, I realized, oh my gosh, like, this is me. This is me mm-hmm. personally, not speaking on behalf of, uh, Catholicism and, and anyone who practices Catholicism. <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> exactly, disclaimer. But I just found that, oh, wow, I'm actually not so spiritual. I'm just kind of doing it because I was kind of, like, growing up, you know, going to church on Sundays. And actually found through just kind of, you know, I think, you know, what the uh, the yoga practice does is it's really the practice of the self, you know, the practice of studying what's going on with you. And when you, when you have a, a clear understanding of that, and you also, you see, yeah, like you see your prana, you see your chi, you feel it, you embody it, you embrace it, you share it. You also, you, you use it as means to connect with, with not just this world, but the beyond. And I think that is really spirit, you know? And I I guess, at least for me personally, I didn't get that through religion and not implying that you can't, but I found myself to be more spiritual without, without the, uh, without, you know, practicing necessarily Catholicism, even though I still go to church with my parents, like, you know, if I see my parents, now of course I go to church with them um, and they still do. And, you know, they always pray, they pray for me. And I, and I, and I appreciate that, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, how I guess that never resonated with me, or at least I had to go a different avenue to find that kind of, um, to kind of find that spirituality, I would say. 
Yeah. I don't know if that's been the same thing with you or. Yeah, it's pretty close too. I mean, I went I went to Catholic school all the way through college, from elementary oh, school to wow. college. Yeah, I was very. My parents are very Roman Catholic, religious. Yeah. I was in the choir, I was the Eucharistic minister, all of that. And yeah, now I would say that I am a lot, I'm a very spiritual person, but not as religious. I think similar to what you're saying, but there are, but I'll always consider Catholicism, Christianity as like the home base from where I learned a lot of spiritual values that I think translate the core of a lot of those messages is the core of a lot of other religions like that the concept of unconditional love is the big one that I think about yeah. that is that is taught through a lot of different traditions and yeah I I I like to see I think this is really a good way to bring it all together where like the name of this podcast uses the word kapwa and kapwa is the Filipino word for a shared inner self or seeing the self and the other. And it really is the indigenous wisdom, the indigenous Filipino wisdom of interconnectedness to see that you are in another person and you are also in the earth. You see all of these different types of interconnections and then it just makes you a little more empathetic, especially in this kind of world that we're in now, which feels very disconnected. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's really, I think, I think really that, that would be, if anyone had to have a goal in life, that would be, that'd be uh, something to strive for, to, to understand that, you know, we, we all are, we all benefit from one another. And if we do hurt one another, it's going to hurt us at the same time, whether that be, you know, human beings to human beings or just like understanding what we're doing to this environment that we live mm. in to mother earth our relationship with mother earth so it's very um and, and I, I also think that's what the teachings of yoga but i think the teachings of a lot of you know um like you said it's like the base like in Catholicism, which, which i do believe as well like you know it, it, they always you know have this there's there's all it all links together with like you know having empathy and and uh and really you know seeing you know seeing yourself in others and and how you know to to be selfless in a, in, in a sense you know before we start to wrap up the conversation is there anything that we haven't touched on that you feel called to to bring yeah i i don't think there's anything we haven't necessarily but if i wanted to just kind of uh share I guess whatever's on the top of my mind right now I would say you know really follow your heart and 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 live a life that not just like encourages you to be better but really encourages others to 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 be to be uplifted and 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 to feel that they're capable and able and yeah follow follow your dreams follow your heart I think we need more artists and we need more art out there we need more things in life that are not so much about making money or just greed we, we need things that are are going to inspire inspire us so yeah that's about it 
I think with having these conversations and sharing them out, that's something that I, I hope as an intention that it will inspire people, you know, whether or not you happen to identify being Filipino, Filipina X, I hope that by hearing our stories, you are inspired to take these paths less traveled, um, especially if you are interested in art and health and wellness and in a lot of these areas that, yeah, they're not, they may not be the, the careers that our parents thought would be pathways to success or stability, but there is something about listening to yourself, cultivating that inner voice and then, and then really following it um, intentionally. So yeah, I hope you, if you're listening to this, that that really sits with you today. Um, oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention too, which is coming up to my mind is the, I really appreciate that with your bio, that you take time to acknowledge your teachers. And I think that is a really important pra practice to acknowledge that the knowledge that you have has been given to you and acknowledging that, yeah, that there is an importance in, in giving gratitude and bringing awareness to, to those people who have influenced your perspective. And, you know, I've, I've said it actually in other episodes, but you, I consider you one of my um, teachers. Jeffrey was one of the teachers in the 200 hour training that I did earlier this year. And yeah, I just also wanted to take that time to acknowledge that. And for me, it was very powerful to come to your class. I think they went to yours and another person's class before deciding to do it at that studio. And yeah, to see a Filipino guy leading a class who has this very inspiring practice and is also a very, you know, humble is, is yeah, it's, it's really inspiring because I think that that kind of representation matters because then you are giving, you become that mirror for somebody who maybe can see themselves in you and that practice and hopefully, you know, inspire and plant seeds for future generations to, to come into the practice. Absolutely. Well, you know, I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate you and, you know, another thing that I heard and I, and I truly believe this is that I'm only as good as, as you are. So, you know, I think we're both teachers to each other as, and I, and I really believe this as much as you maybe you learn from me, I, I learned so much from you. And I think uh, that kind of humility can really allow us to um, not grow apart, but grow together and elevate together. And I mean, you know, who wants to be, who wants to elevate on their own? No, let's, let's, let's do it together and let's help each other. And I think we need more of that. So, so yeah, I, th I thank you. So we like to end the podcast with three questions that we ask each of our guests. And the first one is, what is your favorite Filipino word? What does it mean? And why does it have a special meaning for you? My favorite Filipino word is kumusta ka, which means how are you? Um, and uh, I just find it special because it's an easy 
a Filipino thing to teach, and I think it's nice to ask people how they are. And the other one is, and I think we touched on it um, a little bit already, is how is Kapua showing up in your life these days? It showed up to in ways that, you know, just to be more compassionate, to, uh, to really, uh, to, to not be so quick to, uh, to judge or to be so hard on yourself, most importantly, <laughs> not to be so hard on others. Most importantly, you know, we, we are all trying our best every day and that's all we can do. So to know that, to know that someone's trying or you're trying is, is, is enough to, you know, keep going. So, yeah. And the last one is... Oh, there's, there's one more. There's one more. <laughs> is what is the biggest lesson that you're learning these days? Patience. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I figured that out a while ago, but uh, I guess when it's not just about you anymore and it's about, uh, you know, someone else and sharing a life with someone else, yeah, it's learning, it's patience, patience with myself, patience with, with one another and, you know, truly like listening and more space, you know, space to go for us to see and for us to listen. So, yeah. And if people want to be in touch with you, if they're called after hearing this conversation, how can they be connected to you? Um, you guys can connect with me through uh, my Instagram. You can always DM me at Jeffrey Villanueva Yoga, uh, www.jeffreyvillanueva.com. You can also catch me on there. You can write, write me a message. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty low key, but. I always try to do my best to to reply to, you know, if someone needs something. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, thank you again. Thank you, Paul. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, inviting me. And it was super sweet to, to learn more about you and to talk with you. And, uh, yeah, you know, kind of uh, building this kind of a Filipino community. And, uh, and it's great. So, I appreciate that. And that was today's episode. Thank you so much to Jeffrey for joining the conversation. All the info mentioned for his website and personal Instagram will be included in the show notes. Jeffrey is also offering an inversions workshop through Yoga Vida at the end of January, and that'll be included in the show notes as well. If you liked what you heard and feel called to connect further, subscribe, leave a five-star review for the podcast, and follow us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. We host an IG Live after show the Monday after each episode releases, and that's a great way for you to be involved in the conversation with us. This podcast is a part of Kapwa Yoga a movement and mindfulness practice that integrates my background in dance, yoga, and organizational psychology. You can check out our website at www.kapwa.yoga to find out more about our services. A special thank you to Uga for the song production and theme song. You can find more about him on Instagram at uga.xyz. Thank you for listening. Maraming salamat and catch you in the next conversation.